Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Thanks, Dean. Hey, everyone. Zach Fell here. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of the Wisconsin Music Podcast as we dive into the vibrant and powerful world of Would You Kindly. This female-fronted alternative rock band brings a unique blend of electric violin, modern rock, pop, and jazz to the stage. We'll explore their journey from the local open mic scene to headlining events like Kenosha Pride and supporting community initiatives. Discover the stories behind their original hits like Blood in the Water and their covers, including a rendition of Sticks. Renegade. Learn about their commitment to community support, including sponsoring Make Music Kenosha and playing for our captains and canines. In this episode, we'll also hear about their latest projects, including the release of the EP Queen of Hearts and their experiences working with notable talents like Eric Labros of Cherry Pit Studios. Dive into the inspiration behind their music, especially the powerful narrative of their album The Aftermath, addressing the impact of domestic violence and abuse. Don't miss the exciting news about their Whammy Award nominations and their win for Rock Song of the Year with Blood in the Water. Join me in this musical journey as we celebrate the talent and passion of Would You Kindly on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Today we're thrilled to introduce a powerhouse of a band that's been making waves in the music scene. Their sound is dynamic, their energy is infectious, and their commitment to their community is truly inspiring. Get ready to dive into the world of Would You Kindly. This female-fronted alternative rock sensation is redefining the genre with their unique vibrant sound, incorporating the electrifying essence of the violin and drawing influences from modern rock, pop, and jazz. Would You Kindly has captivated audiences since their debut in 2019. Welcome, Gina. Who else do we have here? We've got Paul, our guitarist, as Paul, well here today. And Josh might be joining us in a little bit. But for right now, thank you guys for coming on to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. We are so excited to be here. And that was the most flattering introduction I think we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> well, that good. made me feel really good. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> You're welcome. So let's get the audience to kind of know who you are. Let's give them your music origin story. How did you guys get started into music? Um, well, individually, I think we each have our own origin story about what inspired us to even pursue this. But um, Would You Kindly, it was said once by uh, our good friend Daniel Thompson that Would You Kindly is a love story. Uh, it started on our third date. We went to an open mic at Sazzy Bees here in downtown Kenosha. And we played a Justin Bieber cover because <laughs> we had just met, didn't know each other's likes in music. And that was the biggest song out at the time. Okay. Uh, at that moment in time in uh, 2019 and we started playing open mics together every week twice weekly sometimes um as our relationship grew so did the band uh we met our original violin player also at these open mics in downtown kenosha both sassy bees and rustic road um and our first drummer as well and that's where we really locked down that like this could be a band not just some people playing covers at an open mic for fun, but that there was really something there that inspired us. It really came from the music community here in Kenosha. The love and acceptance and support that we felt when we were starting really is a huge part of our origin story because I don't know if, if we had come up against just resistance, if we would have pushed through, I would like to say we would, but we were a brand new couple who had just met and started seeing each other. So that support and that love that the community here in Kenosha gave us was just absolutely incredible. Um, and then as you know, we've grown and things have changed and members have changed throughout the years. We've only been about two and a half years in our current iteration with um, the most recent member joining us being our new drummer, Haven Wells. And we like to think, and I, I feel in my soul that when she joined us was when we really became something. It wasn't just people playing music together or trying something out. It was, yes, this is music. This is that family bond, that connection that we really wanted um, when we started doing this. And so it went from a love story of two people to our community and then this little band family we've made for ourselves. Fantastic. Were any of you in like band or choir or anything like that when you were in like high school or middle school? Every single one of us. 
<laughs> um, Paul started in piano lessons and kindergarten in kindergarten, and then he went to percussion um, and played. Third grade. Yeah, third grade. Uh, you're a little tiny yeah. Paul. Guitar in seventh. Guitar in seventh, and he did jazz bands and played in metal bands and all sorts of things, but uh, was really influenced actually by his high school band director who uh, passed a few weeks ago. So we got to, we played a song uh, at one of our shows to remember him, but he was really influenced by his uh, directors in high school. Mr. John Sorensen and Mr. Lance Haas was the other one. And for me, I think I've been in quiet. I've been singing as long as I could move uh, before I could even talk Uh, from growing up in choir and going through chambers, jazz, opera, um, all of those things through high school and actually all the way through college, which is where I met our bassist and our manager, Josh, uh, was in show choir in college. Okay. Um, Haven and Megan both pursued music all throughout their education and actually ended up going to Carthage for music. Haven, our drummer, was a educator in the Kenosha music system up until this year. And now she's a private studio owner and Megan teaches at her studio, still teaches violin, but they both went to school for music uh, education and music performance all the way through college. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. A little background about me is I am a uh, high school band director. So obviously I've been in music a long time as well. So it's great to hear about, you know, different, you know, people going kind of through the same things and kind of branching out doing different things. So that's great. Excellent. I love that you're actively doing that and teaching our sure. directors and our teachers were the reason we make music now. Yeah, so that's pretty close. props to you <laughs> for, <laughs> for inspiring kids. Cause I know that you do, you must. You probably knew Mr. Sorensen <laughs> from Wilmot. Yeah. I just heard about that too. As soon as he passed, it was just like unbelievable. It's like, what? He just found yeah. out that he was sick. And then what was it? Six weeks later or something like that. He, he just passed mm-hmm. away. It was just like, Holy cow. He taught me and a couple of my older sisters. And when one of my older sisters actually graduated from high school, uh, they hired her to teach his daughter, Hannah, piano, actually. Okay. So we got to know their family pretty well. Yeah. They were a good, they were a good group. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel so bad for his family right now. Just like out of, you know, out of the blue, just something like that. Just, just crazy. Um, but going back to you guys, um, so you guys talked about going through music, um, through the schools, and then branching out, and then meeting, and creating this fantastic group, and then your final puzzle piece with your latest drummer, now you're this cohesive family group. So kind of tell us, the listeners, if they go to your show, what should they be expecting to see up there on that stage? Shenanigans. <laughs> It's, it's honestly, the biggest compliment we get is they can see the love, that people from the audience, they tell us, they can see the love on stage. It is, we love what we're doing every minute. We love being up there together and performing together. And so we are a high energy, good time. You'll hear a lot of feelings. Um, every original song is about being human and all the different things that go into that. But you'll also hear some fun covers to so get to dance to and, you know, the biggest thing we, we get told is that we look like we are enjoying ourselves every step of the way. We are having a good time moving around, jumping around. You'll hear some crazy elegant, I was going to say guitar solos, and I meant to say violin solos. <laughs> but you'll also hear some crazy shredding on the guitar, too. Um, and one of the newest things you'll start hearing in our set, as you see us, is um, one thing we do that's more unique is a five-part vocal harmony. So all five members of the band sing. And we all sing together. And um, when we come together like that, it's really strong um, and powerful. And I guarantee you, at least once every show, I'll cry. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's another thing you can expect to see when you see us play is me turn around at the drum set and just go like this. Yeah, I'm crying because I'm emotionally overwhelmed by how just crazy it is to live this dream with my favorite humans. You know, fantastic, fantastic. Now, since we're talking about playing out live, um, one of the things I do ask is looking on both sides of the coin of the uh, local music scene that you play in, what are the positives that you see? And then we'll talk about what things are being suppressed that need to be more elevated to help the local scene. Sure. Um, So our local music scene here in Kenosha um, and even in the surrounding communities, there is so much talent here. There's so much inspiration. I mean, 
I said, we met just being out in the scene here, all of the people in the band and our closest, our closest people we hang out with now are all musicians in the Kenosha music scene. Um, there's so much positivity when you are talking to bands and performers. It's people like to say that music is a cutthroat competition. It's not here. We're all supporting each other. We pull, we pull new acts onto bills with us, just like we had acts pull us onto bills with them when we were new, you know, creating those opportunities for performers and for of all ages, not just young performers either. You know, we've got a youth band that runs out of the creative space that Haven and Megan both help with, but we also see performers like uh, Leland Brody who plays classical guitar, um, classical Bach pieces on guitar. And there's so much love and support for the variety of music and talent in Kenosha. And I absolutely love that. Um, it is part of why we are so proud to be from Kenosha is that community. Yeah. We do run into challenges, of course, every, you know, every city does, every community does. Um, our song Blood in the Water was written when the local legislation tried to add extra permitting to individual nights. It's the cabaret licenses here in Kenosha, where you had to have a permit for each individual night you were going to host a live performance which would make it really hard for venues and for performers um, to do what they do. It just adds so much red tape to live music. And we're really glad that that didn't go through. Um, but Blood in the Water was written during that time when we were really saying, you can't take away our music and it's in our soul. It's, but it's not just our soul, it's the soul of the community here in Kenosha. There's so much art and so much music here. You can't hold it back. And thankfully things went in in the direction we were hoping where that wasn't the case, but there's been other legislation that's been proposed similarly with new insurances or new permits and things like that, making it really hard for some venues to maintain their right to have live music. Um, the other challenge I would say we keep having is that due to the state of the world, venues keep closing. So there are less spaces for us to perform in now in Kenosha, which is a relatively large city. Yeah. Um, you know, we only have two built stages in the city of Kenosha, um, and that's at Public and the Kenosha Creative Space. And then there's a couple of other breweries and venues that host live music, like Rustic Road, Our Home, and Our Love. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed a stage. There's also 58 below. Yeah. Um, you know, we have Rustic Road, a brewery that has been a great home to us. Uh, shout out to Chuck and the crew over there. They've taken care of us for five years now. But most of your opportunities come from smaller bars that full bands don't necessarily fit in just due to number of members and equipment or large festivals that can be hard to break through the noise and to be seen for some of those festivals. We've been really fortunate that we've had the opportunity, but not every performer, even the most talented gets that opportunity in the city. Um, so I would love to see more opportunities to host live music, but also I love that, the places that are keeping that music relatively local um, is really powerful because I think it empowers the people around you to continue to create um, and to, it shows like Haven and Megan students that there is, there, there is a path for this. You don't have to give up when you graduate, you can keep making music. Right. And right. that I think is really powerful to inspire people to be human and create. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, I've lived basically in, in Racine for my whole life, except for like, you know, nine, 10 years in, in Milwaukee. But yeah, I mean, it seems like Kenosha is, is doing a lot of good things for the music community down there. I would say so. Yeah. I think that a lot of that comes from the people who are doing the work with their, with their boots on the ground, you know, those, um, the performers who host those open mics, um, spirit shakers, Maxwell and Oxer, uh, Oscar Haven, who's running three open mics a week, um, giving opportunities for performers to get their word out there. Um, and get their get their voices heard, um, and the venues that are taking in new and evolving performers. I um, nothing but respect uh, for the music community here. Fantastic. Where do you see your band in the next five years? <laughs> Summerfest. <laughs> I got asked that question. Oh, we were filling out a couple of festival submissions, and it asks that. And the thing that I keep telling our manager Josh, and that we talk about every week is we're going to take every opportunity that comes our way and we're going to explore it. It may not be for us. And if we decide that great, but 
for example, last year in October, we drove to Jackson, Tennessee to play on to play with a national act because they asked us to. We're like, yes, let's go. National act. It was artifice. It was artifice. And I love those guys. So I'll name drop that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were incredible. Uh, that was and, one of the coolest experiences of my life. I've been listening yeah. to them since I was in college. And then when they told me I was going to open for them, I thought, no way. And then they let us do it again. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, these opportunities as they come, we're going to take them and we're going to run with them. What five years from now looks like, I have no idea. Touring with Pat Benetton. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. He dreams big. Hey, um, nothing wrong with that. And listen, if the opportunity came, we'd say yes. Right, 100%, exactly. 100%, we will those things into existence. Right. But I also know that as long as we're still making music, we're doing it right. You know, as long as we are still loving each other, writing music that matters, saying saying something, um, and still being a part of our community. That's really what matters to us. And like, yes, the long-term dream is always to make music on bigger stages and have more people hear us and share our message. And But every day is nothing but a miracle in the world we live in. In the world we live in, and every day I'm so grateful to get to make music. Um, every year we have gotten to play new stages in new locations with new bands we've never even heard of or bands we have heard of and been trying to set up with. We have made so many new connections and new friends and seen so many places already, even locally, that you wouldn't necessarily know about. And it is really cool to have those experiences. And that yeah. is something that just kind of keeps coming and is a blessing every time. Every year we look at each other and we're like, did you ever think we'd be here? No, no, we didn't. And you know what? I hope that we always remain surprised because we're doing something right. Yeah, definitely. I don't know what that thing is, but we're doing it. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. You, you don't know where it's going to take you, but you just keep pushing forward and keep improving on your stage presence and working mm -hmm. on songs and meeting people and growing your, you know, your, 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 your fans, basically. Yeah. Every day we just keep giving back to the to the people who want to hear us and to the community that helped, got us started. And you know what? That's worked so far. So I hope we can keep doing that because it feels really good right. um, to be a part of something that's bigger than just us. And then you guys just won a Whammy Award for a for song of the was a song of the year. Uh, rock song of the year. Yes. Rock song of the year. So, so let's uh, talk song a little bit of, for our genre. Yeah, um, talk about that. You know. That was like four months ago, and I still don't have words. Um, <laughs> Blood in the Water was really special. It was one of the only songs on our first album that wasn't mostly written um, ahead of us coming together as a band. So the lyrics for almost everything were written on our first album were written either just me and Paul or me before you know we all came together to turn my words into songs. Blood in the Water, we wrote during COVID, during these cabaret licenses in our basement. And there was so much just community and heart in that, that it was not just my story anymore, but it was our story. And for that song to win an award as our first single, like it was our first release, our first single, to have that picked up, nominated, and to win an award like a whammy, <laughs> I wish I had good words. I don't. I we. I will tell you. Our drummer keeps telling me you gotta get your shit. No. That's okay. Sorry. Ah. No, you're good. Uh, you gotta keep your stuff together because I just cry. Um, I get so overwhelmed with emotions. I just cry, and that is entirely what happened when we found out we got nominated. When we found out we won, uh, they actually got a really wonderful photo of me holding onto our certificate and just scream crying. Um, <laughs> the whammy photographer did. Um, and then just everything that followed, you know, becoming Connections of the Week, getting to play Summerfest at the Whammy stage. Um, guitar for Vets. At the Guitar for Vets Whammy stage. Nice. Was nothing but a dream come true. I mean, every moment has just been insane. And for that to be our first release, to get recognized in that way, really felt like being heard. And nobody on nobody in the band thought that that would be the song to get it off of our album either, which is kind of surprising. We thought but it would be not that it's a bad one, <laughs> it's right? A great song. It's just not the one we expected, but it's the one people connected with. And I'd still say if one person in the audience gets it, then we did our job. So 
while a whole committee of people and a whole community voted for that song. Like you have to, you have to be a whammy member to vote. So right. the whammy members voted that song and that was absolutely wild and out of my wildest imagination. <laughs> great. That's great. You know, um, it's, it's great to be recognized for the hard work and the, the creativity and, you know, the, everything that you try to put forward um, for people to hear and just, you know, just say, here we are, this is us, and I hope you enjoy it. And it looks like that worked out for you guys really well. Let's talk about giving um, the listeners a little more depth about behind the scenes of getting that song recorded. How did this whole album come together from beginning to end? Just take them on a small journey from writing your songs to recording where you did it. Was it, you know, do it yourself or did you go to the studio and then to the releasing it? So that started a lot with, as she already told you all about the, uh, with the cabaret licensing and stuff like that, that's kind of how the light, uh, the, the lyrics came together. It was between her and our old drummer, Jake Kleinhart, who does, uh, did actually get writing credits on it in the, in the studio, uh, with us as well. But, um, we, uh, a lot of these lyrics and riffs from our first album were things that her and I have had written prior to us even meeting each other. And they just kind of seemed to fit together. I'd be sitting there playing my acoustic guitar in the living room and she'd start singing something from the kitchen that I had just, I'd have thought she was coming up with it off the top of her head, but um, Blood in the Water was the first one really that had absolutely no prior uh, lyrics or riffs, drum beats, nothing. We all just sat in a basement, kind of mad, honestly. We were kind of mad listening to all this cabaret license stuff going through because our band was just finally starting to really gain some traction and all of a sudden we get hit with this big roadblock and uh, just started going and it really came together pretty much all in one night almost. Yeah. We, we sat down there for a few hours just going until it clicked. Spoken on purse lips, all of my life had only one purpose 
rest of the album, um, our album, The Aftermath, is about recovering from abuse and assault. Um, I was sexually assaulted um, in my early 20s, and it was a thing that stopped me from wanting to use my voice. And meeting the musicians I'm with now, part of why I'm so grateful is they help me find it again and take back my power and my words. And the songs on The Aftermath, each one is a different emotion. It's a different thing that I went through in my journey. And Blood in the Water was, at the time and still to this day, that I was not alone anymore. That my story was not just mine, um, but it was all of ours. And um, when we released The Aftermath for the month leading up to the album release, after Blood in the Water dropped, we put very personally what each emotion was and the story behind it um, onto our social media channels. The outpouring of love and support from the community was incredible. Um, We actually, on the inside of the album, the physical copy CD we have is the um, mental health hotline uh, so that people can get support and get help with any of the things that they're struggling with. Um, We called it the aftermath because it doesn't stop when it's over. When that moment happens, it doesn't end. No. It carries with you. You are. Not, it will never have not happened, but we can grow and we can feel and we can be human and take back our power. And really the aftermath was that. music that I never in my life could have imagined would be able to tell my stories even better than the words do. And then we met um, via recommendation, Eric Labrosse. So we did record um, at Cherry Pit Studio in Menominee Falls um, with Eric and um, Joel did our mastering, who's also out of Cherry Pit. And they have been nothing but incredible, pushing us to do things that we never thought we could do musically. I think you did a slide guitar with a 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> one of our, uh, actually on two of our songs, one of them being Blood in the Water, uh, we couldn't find a slide because I had only rarely ever used them. I never really wrote anything significant with them. It's a difficult technique that I have just not spent the time practicing. And Eric was just like, hey, I want you to try something. You got a slide with you? You know, no, I'll go find mine. We couldn't find it. And so we used like a three-quarter inch socket and just laid the guitar on my lap and played it with a, with a socket <laughs> as a cool. slide to write these parts. And it worked out pretty well. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, he was constantly pushing us to do things that we never would have thought of. Oh, yeah. Um, there was a couple of parts in some of the songs, like Love Don't Come Here is the one that comes uh, to mind right now, where I was just riffing while he was on. Uh, he put the he put the song on a loop for me to just kind of practice and mess around with and see if I came up with anything. And uh, we pieced together a few things and found the solo in there. I had no idea how I played it. I had to listen to it back seven, eight, nine, twelve hundred times and learn <laughs> what I played on there so I could play it live. Right, right, right. Um, he also has pushed us to include other instrumentation. So Haven, who had just joined the band when we recorded the aftermath, actually played grand piano on a handful of tracks. Okay. And um, we had reached out to a friend of ours, Cameron Fair who um, is currently performing with Betsy and the Well-Known Strangers, um, their cello player. We were like, hey, we have violin, and we had played with Betsy a handful of times, and Cameron and I had become good friends. Um, so he talked to me and was like, will you come track a couple songs with us in the studio? He's like, yeah, yeah, when? Which has now turned into we have an upright bassist who pops in with us sometimes, Keith Pauly. Keith Pauly from Three um, Tree. And so we're using, you know, so cool. new instrumentations and new things all the time. And a lot of that's because of Eric and the way he likes to innovate rock music and take it to another level. Um, yeah. And I mean, from there, we dropped the album at Route 20 and it's like putting a brick on a gas pedal from there, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right.
Oh, cool. I mean, it's always good to hear positive results out of um, our recording studios because I've heard, you know, both sides. I've heard I've gone to the studio and it was just a horrible experience. And then other places like you, you go work at Cherry Pit. And for you guys, it was a great experience for you. And, you know, it's good to hear those things, especially when they're, you know, Wisconsin based recording studios. And, you know, as long as they're doing good for the musician, then I'm glad they're out there for you guys. Yeah, I really feel cared for by Eric as our producer. I feel yeah. like um, he cares about the message we're trying to state, not just about getting some tracks down and pushing them out. Like, it feels like he actually really cares about what we end up with, which is cool. Cool. Very cool. Work-life balance. Now, for some musicians, it's a struggle. For others, they've got a good control over it. How is it working out for you guys? Yeah. Um, everyone in the band works full-time outside of the band. Um, including our manager. We all have full-time jobs. We all work all day, and then we work on music all night. It's like having two jobs, but I wouldn't do anything else with my life. You know, like that that's a choice that we are making um, to do that, to pursue this crazy dream. And I don't know, for me, I'm perfectly content with it. I know that it's a struggle sometimes. Like it's exhausting getting off work at five and having to be at a gig by six. Yep. And running in circles. I mean, you know that better than anybody with loadouts. You wanna? I, I don't even take my steel toe boots off when I get home from work before <laughs> I'm doing more work. This is what it is. Yeah. But, uh, it's worth it to, to really get out there and do music like this because I was one of those kids who grew up being told that playing music is not a viable option. That's not a thing you should be spending your time on. You know how it is. You're a teacher. Yeah, right, right. You've heard it all before a million yep. times. Yep. And God, I can only imagine how much that must suck hearing that from your students as a teacher. But I feel very fortunate that I got a very good group of teachers where I was growing up and uh, helped help me pursue that. And I did. I lost it when I went to college because I was working day shift and going to school at night. And I just did not have time to do anything but work and sleep. And uh, then I got out of college and met her and came back around to it. Now I'm doing more than I ever thought I would. It is so cool. I mean, I've gotten to play. I've, I mean, part of the reason I stopped playing when I got to college is I stopped learning. Right. You know, I got stuck just with the same stuff that I've known how to do forever. And then I met my wife and the rest of the band and so, so many musicians around this area. Who yeah have challenged me and taught me or pushed me to learn new things. And it is so cool. I mean, Ivy Ford is the first one that comes to mind for me now. <laughs> Every time I watch her play, I lose my mind. Yeah. And the fact that she lets me play drums with her sometimes is probably the coolest thing in the world to me. Uh, because I get to sit there and just groove right. and watch her and learn a yeah. thing or two. And I mean, the open mic crew, like you were talking, Leland playing classical, and Oscar going up there and just shredding. Watching all these people do so many different styles has really helped me grow as a musician. Yeah, Excellent. for sure. And I think even some of the people we've met incorporating, like with Haven, who's got really real rooted in hip hop background. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have one of our songs on our first album that has a has a rapper featured on it. Excellent. And I don't know that Knox. I ever thought his name is Knox, and I don't think I ever thought that would be something that I performed on. Yeah, And it is my favorite song to perform. When he's in the audience, we have him come up and take a microphone and do the studio version oh, because of that. Oh, the crowd loses their yeah. mind. And it's, it's incredible. Great. All of that is just pushing us to be better musicians. Mm -hmm. You know, we all, I went to culinary school because music it doesn't pay the bills. Yeah. And I went to the only culinary school in the country with a choir. <laughs> <laughs> Which is no longer even there anymore. Like, oh. we all had our own version of it. Um, being told that it wouldn't amount to anything. And you know what? I'm here to just prove people wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right. Good. Like, good. and you know what? Maybe it won't be bigger than it is right now, but this life is everything I ever dreamed of. Good. Good. Just what we're doing now is everything I ever dreamed of. So anything past this is just icing on the cake. Fantastic. The next question I ask is gigs that made an impression on you. So you could be there as the artist or as an audience member, or you could talk about both sides of the stage. Uh, well, the first one that comes to mind truly is the one we were at on Saturday. Um, and this is from an audience perspective. On Saturday, this guy got us tickets to go see Pink and Pat Benatar at Wrigley Field in Chicago. Wow. 
that's why the pet Benatar thing. And um, I, so I tend to cry at concerts. Um, I get really overwhelmed. And I only say, this is the most recent one, and I think it might be the best show I've ever been to in my entire life. Um, Watching Pat Benatar be the coolest person I have ever (laughs) seen, literally ever, could give not a care in the world, did her thing, is exactly who I want to be when I'm her age. Yeah, and I want to be her husband up there (laughs) right on West Fall, like it's nobody's business. Right, Right. like they... (laughs) Devil May Care. It was so laid back and so cool and an incredible performance. Um, I've never seen anything like it. Um, And then Pink with her acrobatics, the way that she gives credit to every person on stage is bigger than I've seen with any band. And I've seen, I go to a lot of concerts. I enjoy being in the audience, but she puts even her backup dancers, backup singers, full projection with the camera with their name across the bottom of the screen. They each have their moments. So people know who they are. And I thought that that was absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's like, fantastic idea to not just put herself at the center, but to really be about the community that's up there performing. The whole show was incredible. Um, there are a lot of gigs that I've seen that impacted in other ways. I mean, I know you have some too. You want to talk about Dude, so many, breaking I mean, your nose at Coheed. Oh, that was the time, yeah. That was, that was fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, Coheed is definitely one of my favorite ones. They were my first band I ever got tattooed on my arm. Uh, I've been listening to them since I was a little, little, little kid. I've seen them, I don't know, somewhere in the double digits number of times. Yeah. And every time it's a different show, which is one of my favorite things to both see and do on stage. They were the first band I ever saw that did it differently than on the album. You know, you go to a concert and just kind of listen to their top hits and it's a great time. There's nothing wrong with that, but Coheed, they do their songs differently. I went to one of their concerts where they played the last song on their album backwards. So they played it from the last chorus all the way back through to the front verse. Wow. Um, which is really cool to see. And yeah, not a thing that they'd ever put on recording. Their solos are always different. They don't play the solos that are on the albums. Sometimes his wife will come out from backstage to sing with him Pink had her daughter come back yeah. out from outstage to sing with her. Uh, Pat Benatar did Love as a Battlefield with just piano. Wow. Oh, so cool. So cool. Like, right? I love being able to do stuff like that, being able to surprise people on stage. You know, they come to expect to hear one thing, but end up hearing a, a, a totally just game changer right. of, a, of a show. Yeah. Um, and definitely, like, I think I've seen – so this year we had a really cool experience – um, I've seen Fallout Boy about as many times as see he's seen Coheed and Cambria. And this year we got to stun and talk with their drummer on a podcast. Um, Andy Hurley. Andy Hurley. We got to sit and actually have a conversation with him about music and about the industry and about just how crazy all of this is. And like now having the context of that conversation with him and thinking back to all of the shows that I've seen them play, it is really crazy doing this yeah. and knowing how we've idolized other musicians our whole lives. And now we're trying to do that in a way that we have to also remember that it's just being human. Like the, the celebrity of it all is super strange because they're human beings mm-hmm. with lives that aren't just what we see on the screen or see right. on the stage. And I think that for us, the best shows we've ever performed were the most human. Um, I, that's the biggest thing I've taken in the last couple of years is one of my favorite things, our album release we did recently for Queen of Hearts. We did a VIP session ahead of time where we sat in a circle, no microphones, no amplification, and we played songs that the crowd asked us to play. Cool. We them originals or covers that we've done throughout the years. And that was absolutely the most intimate performance I've ever done in my entire life. And I have been performing my entire life. And it was really special because it was us and the people who really wanted to hear us yeah. and hear our stories. It's a lot like the album. Honestly, album releases are a really good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Because when she and Mags told us that uh, we were doing a VIP thing. The rest of the band, myself included, looked at them and said, who are you kidding? <laughs> that you think we can charge someone to come do VIP for uh, for us? That's not a thing that is going to happen. And it was sold out. 
Wow. Yeah, within like Great. two weeks. It was insane. I never would have believed that. And it wasn't just our family, you know, because that was that was my next thought was, oh, we're going to see all of our moms and dads out there, our sisters, <laughs> brothers, whoever it is. I only recognized about half the crowd that showed up for the VIP. Yeah. And that was that moment where it was like, this intimacy, this humanity, music is what connects us all as humans. Right. Um, that has been the most impactful shows. Like I'd love to say that the biggest shows we've played were the best shows like Summerfest or when we opened for Royal Bliss or Artifice. All of those were great milestones and things that I'll remember for the rest of my life. But the first time my dad got to see us play and I saw him cry in the audience when he moved back from Florida, the, the young girl who came up to me at Anodyne and said, I'm in my own aftermath and thank you. Like those moments. Yeah. They change everything. Absolutely. And to get to be a voice for people right. like that, being on the guitar, I'm crying. See, I cry. <laughs> <laughs> that was guitars for vet stage for me, yeah. getting, to, getting to talk to all those guys, because we played yeah. right after this, the, the current students of guitars for vets played their set. Yeah. And it was incredible just to see that. We had a guy who had just graduated come up and talk to us after and tell us his journey of recovering from PTSD through music and that's a lot of stories Yeah, and that humanity. Like, so I'd love to say that it's the biggest shows and the flashy ones. It's not, um, some of the ones I've seen that impacted me the most. Yeah. They were big and flashy and fun, like pink and Pat Benatar, but it wasn't the moments that were big and flashy that got me. Right. It was those moments that showed that they were real people. And that is the biggest thing. Advice thought I have is to be human. Yep. Nothing makes me more ecstatic at a concert than watching another guitar player break a string mid-song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one, I swear. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's kind of, in a nutshell, yeah. at least for the two of us. I know that the other band members probably have their own versions of these types of stories. Right. Uh, but being human is a big part of it. I know for all of us. Um, and, I, and would you finally? Yeah. I mean, I think that goes for almost any performer out there that people enjoy. If they're real, if you can tell that they're being their own truth on stage and it comes across that way, you're going to catch more people with what you're doing than trying to be fake yeah. and everything else up there. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about before I let you guys go? Oh, I mean, yeah, we could talk forever. I'm very good at that. <laughs> uh, but no, we actually, um, we are going back into the studio in January. Okay. Working on a whole new set of songs, a full length, uh, 10 song album, um, that you'll start hearing some whisperings about later this year. And, um, you know, of course you can check us out on our website for our, our performance schedule. We've got a couple big ones coming up, like tomorrow night in Sheboygan. We've got, um, oh, we're playing with uh, 7,000 Apart from Green Bay is coming nice. up to Kenosha for a ticketed event that we're doing with them. We get to open for Edge of Destiny and Awaken the Giant, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's a couple things coming up that are kind of our standards, which is uh, Captains and Canines hosted by Captain Mike's. We are going on four years. The only year missing in the middle there is because of COVID. Right. Uh, where we support this humane society through Captain Mike's every year at that event, as well as um, Oktoberfest by Rustic Road. So we are busy. You yeah. can find us all over the place. Right. Because uh, that's what we do. And if I didn't plug that, our manager would be very upset. So <laughs> <laughs> um, You can find all of this on our website. Would you kindly band.com? Yeah. If I don't, if I don't remember to say those things when we do press, uh, he's like, Hey, so you forgot something, didn't you? I'm like, yes, I did. Um, but the biggest thing is, you know, our, uh, the musicians that we're with, the biggest thing, if I could bring anything home, we're human and we love what we do. You know, I know that you don't have the other three faces here right now. They're all working their butts off at their jobs. Ooh, ooh. And Haven, Megan, Daniel, we love you guys. Josh, we love you too. We couldn't do it without you. Yeah. yeah um, all right. <laughs> and so just thanking them for um, being a big, uh, for being all of this with us. You know, we get to be the ones on the camera, but right. um, it happens because we do it together. So excellent. Well, I think that's a great time to stop this interview. I mean, I think there, that's a lot of information for people to, 
to listen to and go check you out. I'll put all your social links down in the description of the podcast when this goes out in a couple months. And other than that, it was a great interview. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Wisconsin Music Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the deep dive into the world of Would You Kindly. A special thanks to the band for sharing their stories and music with us. We also want to say we appreciate Fox City's Indie Radio for featuring our episodes on their station. To our listeners, your support means the world. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and leave a message. Your feedback helps us continue to bring you engaging content about the vibrant music scene in Wisconsin. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes. And until next time, keep the music alive.